Welcome to Never Just a Dog podcast. I'm your host, John Littlefair, and I'm very excited to bring you this episode with pet loss psychologist, Dr. Katie Lawler. Do you live in um, just out of San Francisco? Yeah, normally. So um, I am originally born and raised here in California, but my, both my parents are from Europe. Um, my dad, like I said, is from Kerry in Ireland and, and didn't come over until his uh, 30s. And then my mom is Bavarian, um, but her dad, my grandpa, was from California and they went back and forth between uh, Munich and here. So normally, yes, San Francisco, but during the pandemic, um, all my work went virtual. And so uh, there's a beautiful, beautiful spot here in California called Lake Tahoe. And I said, well, gosh, if I'm going to be in the house all day, because San Francisco got pretty, um, it was kind of surreal, right? I think everyone says that there's no one on the street. uh, Things are closed. It was kind of almost creepy. So I said, if I had, you know, San Francisco is also a really bustling city and I'm definitely a country girl. So um, I said, why don't I move up to the mountains during this time? But today at this very moment, I'm in Sacramento at my parents' house, uh, just to the, um, the Gaelic, the GAA, the Irish games premiered, opened, uh, this weekend. So I'm going to watch the carry game, the carry football game in a, in, this afternoon with my dad. So Ga- he has the Gaelic football. Game. So he, he follows, yes. he follows carry. Yeah. I know, I know Gaelic football pretty well. Go ahead. No, I must say as well, I've been to San Francisco three times oh, now. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been to the States six or seven times. Every time I tell a story, I'd add an extra travel thing. So if I spoke to you in a week, it'd be eight. And then another week, it'd be nine. <laughs> San Fran is one of my most favorite cities. I haven't been to Tahoe, but a lot of my friends oh. have. And they say they just, they rave about Lake Tahoe. It's, it's really the next time. So on your 10th visit out here, right? <laughs> I'll be 12. Um, By the time we get there, we'll be 12. <laughs> you have to, it's only about, so you can, if you were in San Francisco, you could certainly fly up. That would be like, I don't know, a 20 minute flight or so, um, wow. maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. It's close or about a four hour drive. It's not that far, but just there's, um, it's windy through the last part through, the mountains, but it, it is, if you, if you ever come out here, it's definitely worth, um, the visit. It's, it's nice. It's just, they would, I think I am a type B personality that can be type A, but it really stresses me out. And no one in Tahoe, it's very much a come as you are kind of place. Like you can go into the nicest restaurant in a sweatshirt and sweatpants. There's no pretension okay. there. And okay. I really like that. My last trip to the States was three years ago now, I think three or two years ago, oh. looking on my, my social feed as the reminder going, wow, was oh. that that long ago? But we flew into LA and then we went down to San Diego and then up through, uh, stayed at a little town called Temecula and then, oh, of course. yeah. And then, um, went up to, stayed in San Bernardino area, but yeah. because we were watching the racing at Glen Helen Raceway and- mm. Um, so that was a great trip because it was a real 
boys trip. Like we didn't, you know, three relatives, like my brother and his son and me in the car together. There was, there was no mincing of words. There was anything that ha- had to be said. There was, there was, but there were no grudges. And we all had, do you know the term dummy spit? No. Dummy spit is when you just spit it. You spit the dummy or, or some people say toss the teddy out the cot. It's um, when you okay. just, or a snap. We all did it. We all won the award. Every day one of us won it for some reason. Three boys in a car together. And um, <laughs> it was hilarious. I love the country drives. Um, Colorado is so beautiful. Idaho. Oh, wow. You, you're I, more familiar with this country than most Americans. Oh, look, I've, I've been there 19 times, so I should be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and run off the states for you. Uh, the, the states in the USA <laughs> that have been there. Okay, California, obviously, which I love and adore. Okay, let's go north, Oregon, uh, Washington State, mm. and then oh. up to British Columbia, which I realise is in Canada, but and then down through <laughs> Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, oh. Nevada, Arizona, um, and then Colorado, Louisiana, Florida, Massachusetts, um, New York, or, or New York State. Okay, to get to San Francisco from Perth, Western Australia, it's about a four-hour flight to Sydney or Melbourne in the east, and then a 16-hour flight to Los Angeles, and then another, I don't know, from Los Angeles to uh, San Fran's probably, what, is it about 30 minutes in flight? Yeah. 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 That's a long, so I've been to Australia one time, and it was to Sydney, and then um, we went you know, to Uluru, uh, and then out to the Whit Sundays, and just, I feel like we just did a quick tour of the, that side, um, but it's quite the flight, right? Like, it's quite the yeah. flight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you can fall asleep about three times and keep waking up and it's still the buzz of the plane going, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. We're not there right. for a long time. It's quite the feat that that's even possible to go over water that whole time. And I think it just, yeah, I remember waking up and seeing, you know, your the screen in front of you and it's like nine more hours to go. You're like, oh, jeez, oh, wow. Like, I know. <laughs> I love what you're doing. I, I, I love oh, it. Gosh. You know, when I was trying to finish this, doctorate I went to you know Stanford and they I said from the beginning I I really want to specialize in pet loss and they kind of laughed at me and and my first advisor was like no absolutely not I'm not signing off on that in any way and I had to kind of beg and twist and I ended up writing my dissertation on the cardiovascular benefits of service dogs for those who had suffered, um, individuals who had suffered an acute trauma. And the only way I could get away with that is because of the the physical, the cardiovascular, the heart health data. But even through school, they said no. It just, it's so... It it really upset me because, you. I mean, and we'll get into this, um, but, you know, animals are are everything. And I think animal people, it's such a disenfranchised, invalidated loss right now. So I knew that it was so important for me. And I just found it, it was really tough 
I found academics that would come on and I eventually found his name is Dr. Steve Woodward. He's a, a head psychologist at the Palo Alto RVA, which is our, our veterans um, hospitals here in, in the U.S. And he was doing a lot of work with service dogs and had gone to Stanford as well. And so he, I was able to bring him on to my dissertation committee. And once I had him, they signed off on it. But but no, it just, it's, it's seen as very light here or like, oh, that's such a, a really sweet thing to do in your free time. Um, it's just <laughs> oh, wow. that kind of thing, you know. Um, what were you doing before you wanted to study psychology? Sure. So actually growing up with parents from Europe, um, we had always traveled as, as kids. So I'm the middle of three girls and, uh, we had just, you know, between going back to Ireland and Germany to visit family, my parents just really prioritized travel. So actually I grew up thinking that I would love to work for our state department, which is our diplomatic arm of the, of the government. And so I went to undergrad and then I worked uh, here in California at the Capitol and Governor Schwarzenegger was uh, was in charge at the time. So that was really cool going to work with the Terminator. Were you allowed to like say, you know, stuff like from the movies or you had to be pretty, uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty professional. I'll show you a picture. We have a, a really great picture together, but that was just a neat time in California. I thought he was wonderful. Um, and then went to grad school in New York and did do an internship at, uh, in, in Washington, DC and, um, then worked, uh, we have a very popular morning show here called the today show. And I worked, yeah, for them for, for four years. And anyway, long story short, we used to, um, for the Today Show, there'd be an in-house psychologist that would meet with the people that would come on and maybe the story was more of um, a very sad nature or was a really um, controversial topic. There'd always be a psychologist on staff to meet with the with the guests. And I just thought that was such a neat job and um, went back, went back to school and, and got my doctorate and just had always loved animals. So I, I grew up, like I said, the, the middle child, I was very painfully awkward and shy. Both of my sisters are incredibly outgoing. Um, and I was kind of the really nerdy, like just very awkward. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a middle child as well. Oh, okay. Then you... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, but, but I, I know for, I know for a fact, it's kind of sad that I'm the most awesome one about, I've got two younger brothers and an older sister, but they all know it, but it's something that we just don't speak about, but oh I just know it. I just sit there and go, yeah, yeah, they all know. We're all good. <laughs> well, I, I was not, I was the, 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 like, I mean, there was a time when I was seven that I didn't even speak I was so you know like when when your parents take you along to like the nice restaurant or like you know you go to another family's house for dinner I was always the one that knocked over the expensive piece of china I've got to tell you I've got to tell you a story that um please 
growing up, we were like on the farm. The most important rule is do not break the china cabinet. So it was oh. like it was like this curved English glass with all this stuff inside. You know, obviously china and stuff. I broke the china cabinet. It was just a complete accident. But so whenever, yeah. whenever, even now to this day, I'm winning a a kind argument around the table with a family. It's gone down through generations. That even my nieces and nephews will go, Uncle John. The China cabinet, you broke it. And I'm going, so, so what? And, oh, it was just, um, yep, I broke it. I broke it. Aww. So don't don't feel like you're in good company here, Katie. You're in very good company. <laughs> well, they, no, you make me feel so much better. But, yeah, I that was me. I always knocked over, you know, we're sitting at the table. I knocked over the water glass. I, I tripped and fell into something, you know, so... I just, animals really um, <laughs> were kind of my best friends. And, you know, we just always had dogs and, and fish growing up. And I had a, a, the most wonderful grandpa. Oh, gosh. He would let us bring anything home that we found. And, uh, you know, animal-wise. And he just was always so supportive. So, yeah, animals just have always been um been in my life and and when they would pass I'd be devastated and there there's just not at least in this country there's there's just not the space where individuals are I think allowed to grieve that for however long it takes tell me about Jim oh thanks for asking so Jim was a dwarf Netherland rabbit that I adopted during grad school. Um, I was going through a really hard breakup at the time. And I think I was in year three or four and, you know, just studying all the time. I was living um, by myself in the back house uh, of actually the, the gentleman who invented the screensaver. Um, there's a lot of people like that in, in Palo Alto. Um, and, and it was just a very lonely time. And I was walking around the town where Stanford is at and I saw this rabbit, a family had brought him in where they had three little boys under the age of five and they had adopted, um, Jem, but the boys were just really rough with him, not purposely. Uh, and so the mom had brought him into this this pet store, you know, free to a good home. And I just remember he was the most beautiful creature. He did not look real. He was, you know, just pure white with bright blue eyes and pink ears. And I just could not believe that they were looking for a home for him. Now my, my place didn't allow pets. So I hid him for three, <laughs> for three years from my <laughs> landlord. Um, but you know, one of the, the nice rabbits don't make any, any noise, but no, he just, he really, I think we found each other during a pretty rough time for me. And, um, he lived for four years. Uh, he passed away very unexpectedly last August, August 29th. And it was a, a regular Saturday. By this time I was living in San Francisco. Um, and he had an accident. I'll, I'll spare the details because they're pretty sad. It, it kind of was a freak accident. He kind of jumped the wrong way. Um, and 
I think it just, it strikes me because it was a normal Saturday. I woke up and I thought we would just kind of have the day. And I remember the night before I'd had a really tough, uh, tough week at work. It had been a really long, stressful week. And I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself and just kind of down. And I just wish I could have that night back because I had everything that I wanted right there in that apartment. And I, I don't, I don't say I would ever take Jem's presence for granted, but gosh, he has left a pretty gaping hole in my heart. So how did Jim get, get the name? So, <laughs> so, um, Jem was definitely a he, uh, it, you know, he just was my little gem. I thought that was the cutest name and his eyes were so blue. I mean, I've just never seen an animal that was this perfect look. He just, he looked like a mythical creature from a fairy tale and his eyes kind of sparkled like sapphires. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah just my little, my little gem, but uh, I know it's more of a feminine name. But that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Jem, Jem, that name just stuck. I was like, oh, you're such a little gem when I was driving him home. And it just, it stuck. So. And you've got bear, haven't you? I do. I do. Um, I have uh, a terrier, little terrier mix from the uh, Sacramento SPCA, that's a nationwide shelter. Are there SPCAs in Australia? There's um, or... RSPCA, so it's a Royal Society of Protection of uh, Cruelty to Animals um, mm, yes. in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Bear, yeah, has been, gosh, I try not to think about it because he, they didn't really know his age when um, I adopted him from the shelter, but he's at least, I mean, I adopted him more than 10 years ago. Um, so I try not to think, you know, he's, he's definitely getting up there. Um, that concern, you know, that concerns me because he's, he goes everywhere with me. So I'm staying like I, I shared at my parents' house now. And then they also, <laughs> here's a story for you. So <laughs> there's another dog that lives here and his name is Vinny. And he's a really big, like German shepherd mix that I, um, quote, gifted my parents nine years ago. I was out wine tasting with my sisters and this little dog was out in the vineyard and the owner of the vineyard said, you know, I just found this dog and I'm about to take it to that's a city called Lodi here in California. And it's it, the shelter there. It, it's not a shelter. It's, it's a, uh, not that it doesn't have a great reputation. So anyway, I might've had a few glasses of wine and I said, Oh no, Vinny's, or I said that little dog is coming home with me. And, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. my dad, yeah, my dad, you know, who grew up in Ireland, there's, you know, animals in the house is a very foreign concept to him uh but Vinny grew into this you know 50 pound German shepherd kind of Rottweiler mix and his name is Vinny because he was found in a vineyard so uh yeah Vinny is still still with us but he's nine now so I just you know as our animals get get older um that's more present on our mind too because I just 
as you know, it's, it's so hard to, to imagine life without them and then to live life without them. Were you in the Napa Valley or? It, close. Lodi's kind of, it's an up and coming wine region. It's probably halfway or on the way to, okay. the, to Napa Valley. Yeah, I just wanted to drop Napa Valley in there because I've been there as well. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm name I'm name dropping every place in America that I've been to, and then I'll no. I'm going to be tested on this soon. Give me a snapshot of let's just say California during during COVID, working with your clients during COVID. Everything went here, at least in California. Um, I remember it distinctly it was March 15th here because I was at a baptism for my godson and we gathered at the church and there was hand sanitizer out and people just didn't really know this is a group of very old friends and we didn't know should can we hug you know it just seemed a little bit surreal and then we went out to dinner that night to to celebrate um my best friend from high school and her husband and my partner. And um, I remember the next day I felt so guilty because I was staying here again with my, my parents. And I'm like, Oh gosh, did I just expose them to, it was just very surreal. No one knew what to do, but that weekend I got a call from my boss that they were going to close down the office and we were going to see everyone virtually. And I remember I had never heard of Zoom before. I mean, which just sounds surreal to say, right? I've never heard of Zoom. Um, I'm not the most tech savvy person. Um, So, you know, we had our, I feel like people were patient here, at least the amazing clients that I was working with. You know, I'd, I'd be in my apartment and the fire alarm would go off in my apartment, you know, and um, we had to postpone our our session, but it's just been, it's, it's, it's been, there's been some real high highs seeing how people support each other, but there's just been some really low lows. I think COVID has been such a time of like isolation and uncertainty. And most of us have lost someone or something we cherish, whether that is, you know, your beloved pet that is always there to keep you company or gosh forbid, you know, a family member that maybe there was the cancellation of an event or a tradition you were really looking forward to here, or you might have lost your job or financial security. It's just been such a tough time. I wonder as we're starting to come out of this, if, if I mean, certainly for me, but it, it really gave me the time to reflect in prioritize my values and I think what I'm trying to take away from this is just to to make life much more simple and I'm I'm sure you know I'm I know I'm preaching to the choir but just before before this experience I think we're just so go 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 all the time and I'm always on my phone I mean I love social media I'm always on my phone and I just you know, I really just want to focus on the relationships I'm so fortunate to have in my life and really just spend time in nature and, and with animals. And I just hope we don't revert back to just the crazed pace that we all seem to be running on before. 
so you're involved in the pit lot support groups. Tell me about that. So this, I mean, this, my Instagram account, I remember it came, I distinctly remember. So I had just finished a, a session with a patient that I had been seeing for a long time. And she worked for a very well-known uh, Silicon Valley social media company. And she had been quite unhappy for some time. And uh, her secret dream that she had shared with no one was to actually go back. She loved literature and she wanted to go back and be a professor. And she just thought uh, that her parents would reject that idea. Uh, she was raised in a very kind of strict Chinese household and the they had really emphasized uh, it was their dream for her to work in, in Silicon Valley. And she just, oh, she lamented for weeks about wanting to apply to PhD programs and, and teach. And I was just saying, you just, you know, we have one life. You really got to go for it. And we were, you know, weighing the pros and cons and talking through logistics. And then I remember I got off the Zoom and I said, Katie, what are you doing? You, this is you're so fortunate to have a passion for animals and the people that love them and you're not doing anything. So I posted, um, I, I started the Instagram account, you know, thinking I'd be fortunate. I'd beg my friends to follow me. Right. Like I'd have followers (laughs) and, um, I, it just kind of grew, but you know, as we were saying earlier, what I'm trying to get across is that, that was the first time and I'm, I'm 38 that I felt like I really showed up genuinely and authentically. And if my friends were going to kind of put me down or I, I was really afraid of my boss seeing it or a professor, a former professor seeing it, gosh, you know, what would they think? I did this very serious doctorate program. And, but I, I think I, I called it COVID courage and I, I hope I don't, insult anyone with saying that, you know, there's no silver lining to a pandemic where people have died. But COVID courage, I was sitting alone in my apartment. I said, why not? Kind of, what am I, what am I afraid of? Or why am I hesitating? And that's where this came out. I had been writing for years, coping skills tailored to, to pet loss and and things like that. So I just kind of went for it. And and here, here we are. So you've started up with some some vet veterinarians like patreon uh support system yes um to speak to this exact point um there's a real lack of of services that i would have resonated and i we paired up these two vets were just amazing um dr lisa Littman and dr monica Tarantino. And we just wanted to start this very loving and supportive group for anyone that's either lost their pet or perhaps they their pet just received um, a scary or sad diagnosis and they just need some extra support and it's just very authentic and genuine. And and the I got the thought, you know, when Jem died, it was a Saturday and I there was no way that I could go to work for at least a week. And I, I remember I emailed my boss and I said, you know, we've had a a loss in the family. I've lost a family member. And to me, that was 
a hundred percent true. Absolutely. But even then, yeah, I couldn't, I didn't want to say, and I didn't feel that I had to, but I, you know, there's still, I was nervous that if I would have said, gosh, my, my rabbit died, um, how that might've been perceived, but it's absolutely a family member. And for, for most, or for, for a great deal of us that our pet is our primary source of, of joy and support, you know, our, yep. our relationships with humans, even the very best, our best mates or, you know, our partners, um, our parents, our siblings, even the very best closest relationships in our lives, they're complicated, right? There's, there's ups and downs, there's misunderstandings, there's arguments, and there isn't that with our pets. They love us for who we are and that love's unconditional and they bring so much joy to our lives. I don't even dance around that anymore. Our, our pets, our animals are our family and um, there's, I'd even go, well, they become like family. They're sort of almost like, fa- no, 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 they're family. Hmm. For, for me, I'm yeah. really, really direct with it. And, and I, there's more people in the world that will agree than will disagree without a doubt. Well, that's why this is so, you speaking out like this, when someone hears that, what you've just said, it gives them the courage to say the same thing. It, it validates what they're feeling. That's the work that you're doing is just so important um, for that exact reason. And this is new to me. It really is. I'm just showing up as me, I think, for so long I've, I am a true, I am a true type B personality, maybe a type C, but I actually don't know what type C is when people say that. <laughs> I have no idea what a type C is. I'm about a, um, a W or something. I think I've, okay, I, I think perfect. I'm just making my own personality type up, <laughs> but I'm still the, fa- I'm still the best sibling. So let's just get that straight. <laughs> that's, that's not up for debate. No, totally. Um, <laughs> but to go, to get through, um, so I am absolutely type B, but I, to get through kind of the schooling and the jobs that I've had, um, I've had to be, I've had to force myself to be type A. And, you know, I always tell people I am a hundred percent introverted and that is the truth. I've just really practiced, um, you know, communication and interaction, but it's only in the really, I'd say the last year or two that I feel comfortable just showing up as me. And I think you're doing the same thing. And, and when people are able to do that, um, there's that, there's that space where they can really just bond and connect. I first, let me say the ladybug are every time that I post one of her just masterpieces, I think people connect with that because it's, it's honest and it, it's he manages to put on paper what we're feeling in our hearts. I mean, she's, she's brilliantly talented, but you're doing the same thing. You have a real gift for communication and making feel, making others feel really comfortable and safe. And I think that's when we're able to share, especially what's what we feel most vulnerable about no matter what they're grieving, but especially if they're grieving the loss of a pet is to validate that grief and let them know 
that you're there to support them. And of course, the grief, um, the grief is real and, and you, you will be with them through it in whatever way, you know, resonates with you in this friendship, like whether it is taking them out for a drink or, you know, dropping off coffee at their house or, or getting them a plant or, you know, whatever, whatever it is just to, to show up. One of my most beloved kind of recommendations to give anyone that has lost a pet when you're ready to talk about them and to find whether it's a a loved one, a friend, a partner, set a designated either date night or coffee time where you go and and it's understood that you're going to talk about your pet that night. And that can really help keep their memory alive. You know, there's a great interview that I saw and by great, I mean, it just really affected me. It's between Anderson Cooper and, oh my gosh, I can't, Stephen Colbert. And both of them lost their fathers at very early ages. Stephen Colbert's dad and two brothers were in an airplane crash and Anderson Cooper's dad, I don't know how he passed away, but Anderson Cooper was very young and they were saying, you know, there's that time immediately after where people ask you how you're doing and they mention your loved one's name, but that stops after a while. And both of them were saying as, as, as painful as it is to, to understand that our, their dads had passed away so early, they want people to ask about them yeah. um, because it keeps their spirit alive. There's a Native American saying that our loved ones die twice first when they actually die but then the second time the last time their name is uttered and I think that's so true and I think if we keep you know talking about those memories and laughing about the really good times and I know that can't come at first but does I think bring us a great deal of peace when they live on in our hearts and, and in our, in our minds. So. Absolutely. You don't need to fix or change or, or anything. Just here, I'll, I'll show up for you and I'll be a good human. That's gosh, you have hit on such an important topic in psychology. So one of the pieces of feedback psychologists will receive is if someone's grieving, whatever the loss is, like, how could you possibly understand? And I think for, for non-animal people, or maybe people who have never experienced that bond, if you don't understand, certainly you can tap into some grief that you've experienced in your life. And it's, it's the exact same. And I, I share this for, I think, for some people, they don't know what to say and they, they don't want to say the wrong thing. So maybe they don't say anything at all or, or it comes out and the words come out jumbly and, and they didn't mean it at all. But I would just for those of for those people who might be listening and just truly don't understand the bond, I think, you know, touch on how it felt when you lost someone or something that was so incredibly important to you. I think that can be really helpful. And, you know, you just said, be a good human. Um, that was the best piece of advice I ever got during grad school. There's an incredible Stanford-based psychologist, um, Dr. Holloway. And I was about to see, it was year two of training and I was about to see my very first 
patient in a hospital and I went into his office and I said, gosh, I don't know what to say. And he said, look, the best advice you can, I can give you is just to be a good human. Listen to them, say, respond as genuinely as you can. Don't try to, you know, put on research with them or this is what the textbook would say. No, 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 none of that. Um, listen and respond as a good human and you, and you cannot go wrong. And that's just always stuck with me. When we're going through grief, when something in our terrible happens in our life, that's when you really think about who are the people that you can be vulnerable in front of. Who, who are the people that you can just, you know, show up, no makeup on, you haven't showered and just cry on their couch. And that I think that list becomes incredibly evident. And there's just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through, I've got my sisters, thank goodness, um, but, you know, you really, it's the vulnerable times in our lives that really bond us. And you, you figure out, it's not that, it's not so much like who's there for you. It's more, I'd reframe it. Like, who do you want to be around when you're in that state? And that, that's to me is always very, um, just eye-opening. Who can you call at, at two in the morning? Because you're, you're crying so much or, or you're just in such a state of despair and devastation. You know, the first few days to, you know, that, that first week, it's, it's surreal, right? Your life has drastically changed. Yeah. I think anything you can do, and I, I always caveat this, anything healthy that you can do that is comforting in the moment, I, I think you have full permission to do that, whether it's binge watching a favorite show, um, you know, cozying up with a book and, and some tea, whatever, gardening, taking a little trip, being out in nature, whatever brings you comfort. And then I think over the next few weeks, you've, their loss is going to leave a massive void in, in your heart. I think if you can, there's never, you're never going to be able to replace or fill it. Let's put that off the table. But I think if you can engage in activities that truly bring you meaning, um, that fulfill you, whether that's volunteering at an animal shelter or giving back in some way. And then I think also spending time with people that you truly enjoy their company. And, you know, we, we were talking about this, that you can show up as yourself. And then I think in the long run, as it, as you know, you don't, the kind of the shock has worn off and, and you're, you've become, you started to accept that they have passed. I think keeping their memory alive, honoring them in a way that feels true to you, whether that's you, you put some of the up or, or you have an art piece maybe made and you put that up in your home. Um, I don't think we ever move on. I think you, you learn to live in a way that incorporates their memory and that would make them proud of you. At least that's, that's been healing for me. And, and I talk to Jem. I mean, I'll say if I'm having a really rough day, I'll be like, oh, Jem, I wish you were here. Or, um, you know, he's always, he's always on my mind. Um, I think just he, he continues to live on in my, in my heart and yeah, they, they change our lives forever. So. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been absolutely brilliant to uh, have you along on this episode. Oh gosh. It's been, 
it's been a true honor and I'm really looking forward to see how your work grows and if I can ever be of service. You know, when you take your thousandth trip to the States, um, I will, yeah, I just, I'm really looking forward to watching this and, and seeing how your voice continues to resonate with your listeners because it's, it's just, you're, I think you are going to become a very trusted person in this space. So I wish you nothing but wonderful things. Thanks so much, Katie. You take care of yourself. Oh, of course, you too.